0: Hey, it's Michael, and this is the Kensugi Podcast. I'll be back in a minute with this week's conversation about resilience. But first, if you wish to create a better life and have a better career, then please visit michaelobrienshift.com and download your free workbook on how to create a better life. In it, you'll discover ways to find more energy for the things and the people who matter most to you, so you can create a better tomorrow. Michael and welcome back or welcome to the Kentucky Podcast. It's time for another conversation about resilience. Now all this month in our Leadership Academy, we have focused in on an essential for a great life and a great career. If 2020 showed us anything, it showed us that we can't do these things alone. We need, as I would say, a strong Peloton, but you could call it your tribe, clan, network, community, whatever you wish to call it, what we need is connection. And today's guest, in my humble opinion, is a guru when it comes to connection. In fact, we met several years ago via Twitter. She reached out to me, and that was the start of our connection. The relationship started slowly, but we kept it going over the years, and now it's blossomed into something very special. I think she's a gem, and I know you will also feel the same way about her when you get to the end of our conversation about resilience today. has a goal of reaching out to three strangers a day. In fact, her TEDx talk that was done in Seattle is all about the importance of talking to strangers. So when the world seems so big, what our guest, Teresa Savadigo does, she tries to make it smaller. She tries to build this wonderful network, her Peloton, if you will. And what she's been able to do by having this philosophy and taking this action is build an impressive network of people that are one degree away from something wonderful and something special. So if you're out walking, I hope you enjoy our conversation. If you're at home, sit back, grab your coffee or tea and enjoy a conversation. Trace may be a stranger to you now, but at the end of the interview, I know you will consider her a friend just like I do. Enjoy the conversation. Hey, Teresa. Good to see you.
1: Hey, Michael.
0: So this is going to be so cool. People are going to be in for a lot of wisdom and fun. And I, I can't wait for this conversation. This is one of the highlights of my day. It's one of my highlights of the week. You are my connection guru, expert, inspiration, like all those other words that we can use. So let's start here. Cause I actually don't know this part of your story. So we're gonna go back a few years. We're gonna go back to maybe when you were growing up or maybe it was in college or whenever it happens to be. But what got you all jazzed up about connection and networking and people and their stories. So share with the audience.
1: So I think it's important to say that I'm from the Midwest and in the Midwest, uh, we have a saying that strangers are friends you have never met before. Uh, and I took that to heart and that is also, my dad was a traveling salesman. And so he would always come home from his trips and talk about the people that he met or, you know, um, he had a CB radio at the time. And so he was constantly talking to people and and learning new things and bringing back little insights from wherever he was traveling. And one of the things that my dad used to like to do is pile all the kids and my, me and my brother in the car and just go for a drive. Like I don't care where and to see what you can see, you know, just open-ended anything goes. And I was a horse nut and stuff my dad would do to satisfy that is he would see horses off the side of the road and I would have my face planted on the car window and my dad would actually pull into the driveway and say, you know, my kid's a horse nut. Can we just, you know, say hi to the horses and, you know, every now and then he'd slip them some cash and say, can we saddle one of them up and go for a ride? And my dad was very famous for doing that. But, and and as a kid to know that there were people everywhere that you could engage with was really exciting. And so I started selling uh, Girl Scout cookies, and one of the things that I loved doing was going door to door, and uh, getting. And it would be cold; it's February in the Midwest. People would invite you out of the snow into their home, and so you got a chance to like look around. Oh, you know what kind of cookies do you like, and that kind of thing. And so it just it snowballed from there. But it got really early validation that it was okay, and that people were really cool. And, um, in particular, I had one neighbor who, um, one of the things that is part of my inspiration for connecting with people is what is the genius inside of somebody? And what, like, how can I learn from that? What is the, what is the really cool thing about this person? And I had a neighbor of mine who was an artist and his wife was an attorney and, um, they were black, but he would set up his driveway and he would have host like jazz band practice on the driveway. Um, he also had a black belt in karate. And so he would practice on the lawn and I would, you know, deliver papers. I had a paper route and I would come by and he'd be like, here, let me show you some moves. Or as an artist, he would say, you know, I could see him working and he would say, well, come in, let me show you what I'm working on. And so it was just a a fountain of him sharing his life with me. But then it would turn into he started giving karate lessons to all the kids in the neighborhood. And, you know, so it was just it, it was a really fantastic validation that there are amazing people everywhere. Some of them live five houses down the street. Some of them live a block and a half, but like, who knows? They're everywhere.
0: That is so cool. I want to capture what you said up front. Strangers are friends that we haven't met yet. I just, I, lo- I love that. I love that. So let's talk about our origin story, our origin connection. We met on Twitter and then I'm, I'm going to let you share the story because I I love this about our relationship and we're going to talk a little bit further about like how it, it's evolved over time, but why don't you take it from the beginning?
1: Yeah. So I used to have a blog and I would interview people that were fascinating to me. And then I'd type up my notes and throw it on my blog. Um, and um, when I decided to sunset that blog, I had a bunch of people I was following on Twitter. And I said, I asked a, a mentor of mine, I said, well, we'll, will people stop talking to me if I retire my blog? I was really worried about that because, you know, it's a lot of work, but it was also, um, you know, a really great source of inspiration. And she's like, probably. And I decided one day to like start testing that theory. And so I went through my Twitter feed and I actually spun it like a roulette wheel. And (laughs) it was like, ding. I wonder if I can get this person to talk to me.
0: That is so cool. You.
1: <laughs> you were one of them, and um, and so I sent you a DM, and I said, "Hey, Michael, I'm really curious about you. I wonder if we could hop on a call." And you said yes.
0: Yeah. That's
1: where it started.
0: That is so cool. I remember, oh yeah, I remember you reaching out, and at that point in time, most of the DMs I was getting in Twitter were like. I want to sell you something or download this or a bunch of spam. And then yours popped in. I was like, yeah, why not? And, uh, you know, what we were talking about this before we hit the record button. But the really cool thing about our relationship is, you know, we had that initial conversation and then we had a little fluttering of like following each other on Twitter. And I think the next spot, we started following each other on Facebook and maybe then LinkedIn I saw some of your posts. You saw some of my posts, maybe a like, maybe a comment. But it was sort of like that. And then there was a period too, that was a little bit quiet because the algorithm wasn't like matching us up. Yep. And then I would say over the like, I would say the last two years, it the long tail, the way I would describe it is a slow burning fire, right? So it's just like, it doesn't catch, it doesn't catch, it doesn't catch. And all of a sudden it like catches. And now over the last two years, the connection is at a much deeper level. So thus proving that some relationships, you know, have to like mature and you got to let them breathe and stay connected and to have some patience with them because you you never know what they're going to blossom into.
1: You know, I love that you said that though, too, because one of the things that I was thinking about is when we first met, if I remember right, one, um, I think your book was coming out pretty soon. Yes. Um. And I was going through a personal transition period in my life. And so, um. you know, I didn't really have a whole lot to offer and I didn't really know what you were up to. And I think you were launching your business and doing some things around that. So there's this period of time. It, I call it a fallow period. You know, um. there's a fallow period where people are just I'm just doing my thing. I got to work on my thing. Right. And, um, and so what was really interesting, I think about you in particular is that the door was always open and it was always there. It was just at the time I didn't really have a whole lot of conversation, like questions and, and, you know, I didn't feel at the time that I had a lot to give. Um, I was originally it started just because I was curious and evolving and I was evolving personally myself. Then, when I started to have more targeted questions, you kept showing up in my feed. And, and I, I was like, well, I wonder if I, I wonder if you would actually answer these questions. And we recently had a very real conversation about uh, some stuff that was a big challenge for me. And you're like, listen, the door is always open. Like I'm happy. To give back and um one of the things that's been really cool for me too is since i launched my own like fireside chat and um, my mastermind group to see you pop in and always add value and so i'm just like wow this is so great that i get to add value back to your your group too so it's really fun to see how it's evolved
0: yeah it's a little bit you know like ripples in a pond dominoes you know, a whole bunch of different analogies that we can use yeah. but i love the fact that our connection is at the place that is right now. It's really cool because I've met some really cool people in um your peloton my language and yeah. you know I know through this you're going to meet a whole bunch of people in my peloton and you know start rip- our ripples will ripple into one another. Now you have a beautiful TEDx talk on the importance of talking to strangers and talking to three strangers a day. I would love to get your perspective on how to network and connect with people during COVID because that's been you know, the duh moment of the podcast here, the interview is that's a game changer. And a lot of people I know are reluctant to do it, take some work. So how have you done it? How have you taken your philosophy of talking with strangers and making it work in our current environment?
1: Yeah. I'm so glad that you asked about that because that was one of the funny things about when my, my TEDx talk got released it was March. uh, And so I was like, okay, wait a minute. In my talk, I talk about the beauty of talking with strangers, but we're all on lockdown. And so nobody's out and about meeting everybody anymore. (laughs) Um, and, um, And in my talk, there's this part where I mentioned that on average, I meet three people a day. And that can be a brief encounter, it can be something much longer than that, but um, it's, a, it's a very intentional thing to meet three people a day. One of the things that as a result of COVID that I thought about is, well, that doesn't have to change, just how I go about it needs to change. And um, so I took it on as a personal challenge to see if I could um, keep uh, meeting three people a day and you are a perfect example of how it works right? So I just, all I did was invite the conversation. And um, so I was like, okay, well, who else am I curious about? And one of the things is that I started doing is going through my social media feed and the contacts that I already had. And there's, the, everybody has them. They have people in their network that they, uh, they know, but they don't know, and they don't know all that well. Uh, so I started reaching out to some of those people and saying, you know, uh, I'd like to get to know you better. I, I, and I think that's an important thing I want to underscore because a lot of people ask me, uh, how do you do this? Um, in fact, I had a friend of mine who asked me to even send screenshots of my engagement connections. Like, how, how do you do this?
0: You yeah, know, like what do you, what do you actually say or what do you actually write? That, that script almost people are exactly. looking Exactly.
1: And it is like, it's it's actually, she's like, it's way simpler than you think. Um, I would like to get to know you better is one thing that I like to say. It's like, hey, you know, we've been Facebook friends forever. Like I would really like an opportunity to get to know you better. And, um, and that, that happened to me recently. One of the, one of my contacts, um, I'm currently writing a book and one of my contacts is a publisher in New York. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't even remember connecting with her, but um, she, when we got on, on the phone, she was like, Oh, Hey, you know what? I see where you're at. And I like what you're doing. Um, I do have, I am in a position to buy books and, and the kind of book that you're wanting to pitch, but I think you need an agent um, to help kind of wrangle it all together. And I was like, that's great. Do you have any agents that you like to work with? She said, yeah, here's three of them. And so I, you know, like, I didn't, this lady has been in my network for five years and we never had that conversation. And so that's somebody, that's gold that was in my network and I didn't even really know how to leverage that or didn't even know that it was there. Um, And another way that I look at it is on LinkedIn or Twitter or, you know, wherever you are, Clubhouse, you and I were talking about how much we love Clubhouse. Um, One of the things that I, I just like to say, hey, I'm curious. I'd like to get to know you better and um, or for instance, recently, so I have this mastermind group and one of the things that I did, I started a fireside chat as a result of wanting to bring more great people in to come have a conversation about everything from tactical things to, you know, like we just did one on um, how to source podcasts and, and be, a, be a great podcast guest. And, um, or I brought in another woman who, her name is Kelly Wright, and she originally started selling textbooks door to door and ended up working for a startup that grew to, it's a unicorn um, startup here in Seattle, Tableau, that famously she exited with a hundred million dollars.
0: Wow. That's great.
1: (laughs) Right. It's blockers, right? Well, somebody in my mastermind group admired her. Hugely. And so I reached out to Kelly and said, hey, listen, will you come talk to us about your career trajectory? I'd love to hear more. And she was like, sure. And so what happened, she actually loved having that opportunity because it's a story that until that point, she never really told very often. And also since she's left Tableau, we got a chance to talk about her second Phase of her life, which is now she's getting more women on corporate boards and she now sits on five corporate boards. And so, as a result of that, then she was able to introduce my group to the strategy behind how do you get a seat on a corporate board? Because she started with one and then added another one and then added another one. And now she's helping other women get on corporate boards. And so, that one conversation. Pivoted into so many different things, that it was just it was incredible. And imagine, like, and I think about this all the time. Um, like that one conversation changed changed our lives. What would happen if I never bothered to reach out to her? We had talked earlier, or, or there was a question about when people are nervous to reach out to other people, and I think that this is a really great example of that. Um. I like to think about in your, in your life, there are people who have made an outsized impact on you for any number of reasons. It could be your, you know, you met your wife, you got a great job, you had a sponsor. Um, Imagine if that person was never there. And so, and all the things that would go away and how dramatically different your life would be because it wasn't there. And that's why I like to keep reaching out to people. I don't know where the magic is, but I need to keep showing up for it. Um, my my friend and I were having a conversation right before I got on this call. And um, we were talking about how um, she's like, make sure you tell them about this. So my friend Emily Carrion is um, a chief marketing officer for startups. She's, on, she's now working on her sixth startup. And one of the things about her, um, I saw her speak at a conference or at, a, at Ignite, which is like a TEDx, except it's five minutes. and i I remember when she was on stage, and she gave her five minute talk on um, how to connect on Twitter and how to create a baller list, and how that will um, it it creates opportunities um, because of that. And I remember getting goosebumps, and I was like, I absolutely have to know this woman. And so I immediately that night went home and I connected with her on Twitter. I signed up for her newsletter and I kept like sending her notes like, hey, I really like that. That's amazing. It took us two years, at least two years for us to actually form a real friendship um, and meet in person. She was like, you know, I just wasn't ready for new people in my life. At that time, I was going through this big growth spurt. Um, and I, I wasn't really taking in new people and she was like, but the cool thing is you were persistent and now we are thick as thieves. We are just, we're supporting each other in a really big way. And, and I, and I was just like, Emily, can you imagine what would happen if I never reached out to you? She's like, you know, we both started tearing up and we were like, oh my God, I don't, I don't even want to think about that. Like that is, that would be horrible. And so. One of the things that I like to think a lot about is, um, uh, you know, when you get an in- inkling that you want to know somebody, be the one to make the first move.
0: Yeah. I love that story about you connecting with Emily. It's such, it's a, It's another one of those slow burning fires too, right? So it was just, you know, it was catching and catching and you probably wondered if it was ever going to catch and then it caught on and now now you guys have like this wonderful bond. So I I just love what you just shared. So one one question for you: You've spoken to so many people. What have you learned about people? Because you know, in today's in today's culture, what the media loves to portray is like how we're divided and so different, and we're fractured and everything else under the sun. But my hunch is, is, that talking to a whole bunch of people in a whole bunch of different industries, doing a whole bunch of different things, that you found a lot of commonalities amongst all the people that you've spoken to. So I'm curious, like, what have you found out about other people?
1: I think the biggest takeaway is that everybody wants to be heard. And it's a really rare opportunity when somebody gets to speak from their soul in a way where somebody's not trying to interject their own agenda. They're not trying to shape it in some way to a particular outcome. They are just there to listen and listen and, and ask questions in a way that um, really shows that you are showing up wholeheartedly for that conversation. Um, I had a recent uh, example of that where. And it could be anybody. It could be a nine year old kid or an 80 year old man. Like, I think people have gone, we want to know that our moment on earth matters somehow, some way. And who really ever listens? Like, your family already has an idea about you, your employer already has an idea about you. Um, and it's really, really rare when somebody takes that moment and says, tell me your story. Like, I'm so curious, like, how did you get from here to there? Um, and I think that that's a really great example also of why people should actually just reach out and take that, take that gutsy move and say, you know, I'd like to know you better because like, I was thinking about it today. Like, I don't know why Michael actually wrote me back and wanted to get on a conversation. And so whether you're like looking to connect with somebody above you at your level or below, it it really doesn't matter. I think people just want to be heard. And when you, um, provide an opportunity for that, it's the biggest gift you possibly can get for somebody. Um, but it's, it has both, it has, it goes both ways. And, um, so an example that I'd like to share with you is that, um, I mentioned Kelly Wright, uh, who used to work for Tableau, and now she sits on several corporate boards. In our conversation uh, for my fire my fireside chat, I asked her. I said, "Hey, listen, I'm curious. Um, what is your next play? Like, what are your big, hairy, audacious goals?" And you know, so anyway, so she wrote me back, and she's like, "Well, what are your big, hairy, audacious goals?" And I was like, "You know, those ones you never say out loud, right?"
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and my, um, I I run a mastermind group called um, Bold Ambition and we had just like created the list and I was like, there's some crazy stuff on my list. And, um, and so I was like, oh, should I edit it? I really respect her. Like this, should I send her like the messy parts too? And anyway, I just, I was like, you know what? It's really important to me to be transparent. So I'm just going to send her the list as it is. And I did, and she had picked out the craziest thing on my list—the absolute craziest thing—and um, the it is that I want to um, go to Richard Branson's Necker Island and be an invited guest, and um, and be asked to come there early to speak to his staff and be a valued contributor while I'm there. So, if you don't know, Richard um, has these like think tank weekends where he where the week where he brings people like forty people to come and share information and just, you know, um, have a great intellectual time as well as, uh, you know, um, having a good time on his island in the Caribbean. And, and that's on my list. And she wrote me back almost immediately. And she said, I know somebody who goes there every year. Do you want an introduction?
0: That is so cool.
1: It gets better. So this guy, um, so she introduces me to him and he is actually driving like on an hour-long trip from like, you know, Monterey or whatever. And so we talk and I'm just asking him questions like, Hey, who are you? He's a financial advisor who actually made it a goal to go to Necker Island. It took him four years to get an invitation there, and now he goes all the time. And him and Richard are texting buddies. And <laughs> And, um, and he's like, you know, this is the part about what I learned with people. He's like, you know what, this is really cool. Nobody ever listens to me like this. Wow. Right. And, and I'm just like soaking up the stories. I just like, keep telling me all the things. Right. And, um, by the time we got off the phone, he said, you know, I talked to Richard about this and, um, I want to rent out the entire Island for a private event. Would you like to work on it with me? Yeah.
0: That is so cool. That is awesome.
1: (laughs) So, I mean, we go from like this crazy, like my friend Emily admiring Kelly. I invite Kelly to come to this chat. Kelly asks for my BHAG list. She introduces me to somebody. That guy now wants to like throw a private party on Necker Island and work on it together.
0: That is amazing. It does, to your point that you were making earlier, the encouragement that you want to make to other people is is be bold, reach out, because you never know what could happen. And, and to, to answer your question too, you're like, I don't know why Michael actually responded to my DM on Twitter. Yeah. Well, it was an attitude of like, well, what's the worst that can happen? I, I'm going to discover something. Maybe about her, maybe about me, but it's certainly, it's not going to be a waste of time because... I had the intention of it not being a waste of time that I was going to go in with, hey, this is how I want to spend my time. I want to connect with her. Again, I didn't know you from Eve. Yeah. You know, and you really can't size you up by the number of Twitter followers you had or nor how many Twitter followers I had. But there was just something there to say, why not? In fact, everyone that reaches out to me that wants to chat, I always chat with them, you know, unless, unless a reach out is like, Hey, I want to sell you something. Like if you're trying to sleep with me on the first date, it's probably not going to work. Um, so it's, but everyone else is like to your point, the way you did it, like, Hey, I'm curious about you. Love to spend some time chatting.
1: Really? Like, Ooh, I hear that.
0: Well, going back to what you've learned about people, we all, especially in this noisy world, which it, it feels even harder to be seen and to be heard because there's so much volume around us. For someone to reach out to say, I want to hear you. I want to see you. Like, who wouldn't eat that up? Like, talk about a dopamine hit. Talk about like a little bit of an ego rub in the right way. Like, yeah, sign me up. Now, I'm sure you reach out to a whole bunch of people and you don't hear anything back. That's going to happen from time to time. But still, you got to like, you know, you got to take some shots. You know, it's like the Wayne Gretzky cliche quote, like, you know, I miss uh, 100% of the shots I don't take. So you got to reach out and you start you start discovering something about other people. You, you also, through the whole process, discover something about yourself.
1: For sure. I think that that's the I love that you said about the, the you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And that is one of the things that I would, if I was going to impress upon folks, a good takeaway is reach out with intention of like, I just want to connect. I want to, you know, is there a there there? Maybe, I don't know. Right. It's no different than dating or, you know, Hey, they're cute, but do I really want to go out on a date with them? I don't know. Like, you, you know, if you reach out to them, maybe who knows. Um, but I would say that the, the, bigger part of that is it's, um, you know, I'm very consistent on reaching out to people. So I make an intention of, um, you know, ongoing, whenever I get this little intuition that says, oh, I'm kind of curious. I actually send a note. I just, I don't even stop to think or edit or pause. I just, I send a note like, oh, um, if they said something interesting on LinkedIn or somewhere, I'm like, you know, that's really interesting. I want to learn more. So um, I also think a little bit. I have some journalism training, and so I think like a journalist, where it's like, well, they're first person source, right? Like, why not actually have a conversation with them? Um, and so, you know, I'm very curious about the amazing things that people do. And hey, how did like we? And, and here's the big point piece: we always hear like the the end story of like the amazing thing, like the the glory moment, right? I want to know how it came together. I'm very interested because the the like the 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 trophy is the part that you may not actually be able to replicate, but like how they got from A to B. There's usually a nugget there that I can take away, a teachable moment, something I can learn that I can apply to myself. Um, so that's one of the things that I really like. Um, the other thing is that um, we the shots that you take. I, um, because I'm taking a lot of shots, if somebody doesn't get back to me, like, I don't care. I tried. Right. And, um, so I, in fact, I was just cleaning up my LinkedIn, uh, recently and I, I started tracking my numbers just to see where I was. Um, cause I decided to focus on LinkedIn more and in, since, so it's January now since, September, when I started tracking, I've increased my connections by 20%. Oh, wow. Yeah. When I try and connect with somebody, I always, always, always send a note. Um, A lot of people will just delete anybody that doesn't say something uh, particular. So I do. Yeah, they just.
0: I do. unless Unless I know you from something. So that your fireside chat, we met Julie. I, po- I popped to her a note yeah. and I didn't put anything because we sort of had already a warm connection because we we're all sitting around the fire or sitting around the Google Hangout. But anyone that not like that that comes into my universe, I never accept them.
1: Right. You have to actually, and that's really important. Um, so you actually, you have to say something. Um, and what I usually say is like, Hey, I'm curious about this thing that you're working on, or I'm curious about your history here. Um, I'd love to hop on a call. Let me know if you'd like to to connect or oftentimes like my TEDx talk might tie into something that they said or whatever. So I'll send them like a shortened URL. Um, but, um, what, what happened, um, recently is I was cleaning out my LinkedIn and I could see all of the, the requests that hadn't been responded to. So, um, I increased my contacts by 20%, but I deleted 68 attempts. These are people that never responded back to me. Okay. Um, and that's fine because, you know, there's, we all have those moments. Like, say, for instance, I like to think about like when you go on vacation and you come back and your inbox is full and you just can't bear dealing with all. So, you delete anything that is not like absolutely urgent. Well, who knows when my, my request came in, it could have been in one of those moments. Right. And, and so I can't take it personally because I do the same thing, right. You got to give some grace. Um, But in the meantime, like I have met some world-class people um, and I'll just, this ties in with the COVID question, right. Is that how I've been increasing my network and my contacts since uh, COVID, like I was both, Um, reaching out to people within my own network, forging new relationships. Hey, I'm curious about that. And so um, as a result, one of the people that popped in on my LinkedIn was a guy. and um, And this is the other thing about making sure you send a note because that creates a burden for the recipient. And so it's also like, you know, kind of bumping into somebody instead of actually saying hello to them on the street. You know, it's like, I don't know you anything like, who are you? You know, I think yep. not a New Yorker, right? A New Yorker would be like, go to hell, dude.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'd, we'd give a, as a New Yorker or I actually live in New Jersey, but, you know, close enough to New York, we would give you a special wave and then just continue on. by.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so make sure you say something like nice, kind, like, you know, show, show a true intent. Right. Um, Cause if you're going to start building a contact, start like a good relationship, start solid from the very beginning. And how that starts even on LinkedIn is to make sure you say something like meaningful um, as a hello. And um, so anyway, so uh, this guy popped in on my LinkedIn feed and I was like, who is this? And I looked down at his uh, work history and he had worked for Greenlight Productions. And I was like, wait a minute, I know Greenlight. Greenlight is Keith Ferrazzi's um, company, and he's the guy who wrote the book, Never Eat Alone, and Who's Got Your Back? And I was like, I'm so curious about the work that he did for Keith. What is the story? So I popped him a note, and I said, hey, listen, I would love to hear more about you. And we hopped on a call. We had a fabulous chat, and um, it turns out he runs a company for thought leaders, and he basically helps people craft their career. Um, if you want to like launch a book or something like that. So that's how he got with Keith. But then there's like this whole business side of things that a lot of people leave off the table and they don't really think about it. It's like, why am I not making money? Well, you know, you can make a lot of money. You can make money a lot of different ways. Books are only one of them. And so, anyway, so I didn't know that. He opened my whole eyes, my eyes to that whole side of life. And then um, he also has a podcast that was really informative. And um, he hosts like a weekly meetup. So I go to this weekly meetup. I'm like, okay, who, who knows? What a, you know, I'm just experimenting all kinds of crazy ways during COVID, right? And I show up for this meeting. And there's a woman there that has was an anchor on CNN for 22 years. Oh, wow. Two of the founding members of Earth, Wind & Fire. Nice, <laughs> um, Carol Dweck's 13-year business partner. <laughs> and like,
0: awesome. Like,
1: there's all these people. I'm like, I am definitely over my head, but I just kept showing up like, Hey, I have some questions and I put that rookie hat on. And, and so all of a sudden now I'm meeting these people who have these fantastic careers and are like global speakers and who have done all kinds of stuff. And. It's fascinating. And so it all started from that one contact who landed in my inbox. And I was just like, I'm curious. Can we hop on a call? And then I
0: that is so perfect. I love that story. The, this whole conversation has inspired me to amp up my game because I do a lot of this too, you know. But I get my inspiration from you. <laughs> and today, like I'm even more inspired to do more of it come tomorrow. You know, because one of my big things for the year, like one of my words, I've you know, you might have picked a word. A lot of people do this. I have three words, but I turn them into questions. So one is awareness, one is range, and one is connection. But then each morning, I ask myself, how can I gain more awareness? How can I develop more range? And then how can I foster more connection? So I, because because what it does then it prompts the curious mind. Yeah, and with the curious mind then you can start building action in it so and then i can also use those which i do at the end of the day well how did you build more awareness michael how did you create more range where did you build more connections so i I love this this is like because what you're what you're demonstrating what you're sharing is that one can like we're like it's kevin bacon a little bit but we're only a connection away or a couple connections away and those all ripple And then you never know who you're going to meet. And some relationships are hot and heavy right from the rip. Others are slow burn. And we just need to have some patience to nurture those and sort of of accept the relationship as it is in that moment. And then all of a sudden the world feels maybe a little bit smaller.
1: I love that you said that though too, because um, I think sometimes we you know, it's the same, same like dating. A lot of it is a lot, a lot like dating, right? There's so many great lessons in dating where, you know, um, sometimes it's a one night stand. Sometimes it's a relationship that you've had, you've been friends for years and then it turns into something really substantial, right? Sometimes it's, you know, um, something that runs its course. It's really beautiful in the beginning and then it runs its course and, you know, um, and you let it go. Uh, but I would say, you know, one of the, I love that you have your words and, and, um, one of the things that I like to do is ask, I ask a lot of questions. I ask a lot of questions to myself, but also on social media, I ask a lot of questions rhetorically and, you know, I'm kind of like, uh, working through some thoughts and, um, my mastermind is called bold ambition And so, uh, we have a practice that, um, we write up our wins every week. And so like, how, how did I win the day? How did I win like the week? What was the highlight of the week that I moved the needle on? And, um, recently I've started asking like the name of the group is bold ambition and it's, um, designed as a safe place for women to be ambitious. Um, but how was I bold and how was I ambitious? Love it. And I start asking myself that every day, like, what bold thing did I do today? What ambitious thing did I do today? And, um, and then at the end of the day, I ask myself that, How you know, how, how was that? And what was really interesting is that um, by asking those questions and also setting up our wins, like one of the things that women historically uh, don't like to do is take credit for the things that they actually accomplish. And. Uh, And, and, um, by setting up the standard where like you're expected to, um, come in and write up your wins and send them to the Slack group every week. Um, so you get in the habit of actually acknowledging things and seeing your own progress on stuff. Um, but it was, we just did a retrospective. Um, and it was fascinating because I started the group in January of 2020, then COVID hit and I was like, oh my God, we're just getting our legs. Is this thing going to last? Like what's going on? And I started thinking, what do these people need now? How are we going to get through this moment? How are we how are we going set to set each other up for success? Other people are having a really hard time. That doesn't mean we have to have a really hard time. How can we set the tone that this is going to be the best year of your life, regardless of all the noise that's going on? We talked about noise. Regardless of all the noise, regardless of what everybody else is experiencing, how are you going to get through this situation even better than you went in? And, uh, you know, at the time when I started talking about that, I didn't know whether this thing was going to be like two months, six months, eight months. Nobody even dreamed it was going to last this long, right? And so I don't, I don't know. I was just like, I don't know, but I know that like 2008 kicked my ass. Right. And so I'm like, I'm not going down like that again, not twice in this lifetime. This is not happening. So like, let's try something else. And I was like, okay, you guys, we got, we got to figure this thing out. And so it was fascinating because, because of that, like, how am I being bold? How am I being ambitious? Am I meeting new people? How, how am I how am I finding new resources? Like, what is the next chapter in my life? Okay, well, if that's not going to work, what will work? And who can help me with that? And how can I find somebody that's going to help, help add fuel to the fire and and help me see through this problem? You were one of the people that I reached out to. And I said, listen, like, what does it look like when you run a business that looks like this? And you know, and and what kind of like I, I talk a lot about money. What does it look like? What kind of income generation can people, you know, I hear people are having a really hard time, but then there's other people who are doing really well. What does that even look like when you're doing really, really well at this thing? And so um what was fascinating about it, we just did this retrospective with my group. Every single person reported lifetime record wins. Oh, wow. In 2020. Like lifetime. One person like announced that she just calculated her net worth is $2 million. Well,
0: that's terrific. And I imagine though, even more important than that that number. Yeah. She sees herself differently.
1: That is a huge, huge statement. And that is 100% true. One of the things about being able to witness the work that like show your work. Austin Cleon has a book, show your work. One of the things about seeing the work and the wins as they are unfolding and the steps that it takes in order to put together a win, um, it is so inspiring to see other people on the journey and to see like, oh, well, they got a new job. Why, why can't I get a new job? I should think about getting a new job. What would it look like? One of the women in my group, she started the group, she was out of the country, looking for a job. And um, we started like, hey, how can this be the best year ever? How can you negotiate the best deal? Um, How can you really just swing for the fences? She ended up getting a job that paid her 68% more than she was making before, right?
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Then uh, another person was like, huh, okay. She got a new job, 67% more. She now makes seven times her age. Nice. The next person who got a new job, she got a $125,000 salary increase.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. That's Well, you know, it it speaks to the intention you said at the beginning of the year. Yep. Framing it out. I'm not going to get necessarily into visioning or manifesting, but just the intention of like, hey, this is going to be the year we're going to have. We ain't going to like relive 20 to 2008. We ain't going to go back there. Like we're not going to really do a repeat and redo on that. But if we want to architect a great life, we have to start with the intentions as far as like what we want to build. Yes. And to your point, and I see this because I deal with a lot of women clients and serve on the Healthcare Business Women's Association Global Board, which is 10,000 like kick-ass women. In healthcare, but so many of them, I would say based on the numbers and the people I've met, probably more than half, don't want to publicize their wins. They sort of want, well, I'm gonna let my work speak for itself. And then sometimes usually through male bosses, they don't recognize the work and then they beat themselves up for not being vocal about their work. But they're like, well, I don't want to be that person that's annoying that publicizes their work. And the thing is, if you're asking or if you're telling yourself, I don't want to be the annoying person, you you are so far away from being annoying. (laughs) Like you're not even in the same zip code as annoying. If that even that notion has even popped into your head, and it's this vicious circle of like, I don't want to be annoying and publicize my wins. I want my work to like get the credit it deserves. It doesn't get the credit. And now then we beat ourselves up for not actually speaking up for ourselves. And we have to change that orbit. And what you did is you changed that sort of that circular circular path that so many people get on by even just doing it in Slack to say, hey, we're getting comfortable speaking up about our wins. No matter how big, no matter how small, but we're going to exercise that muscle. So we get better at it and we start asking for the stuff that we should be asking for. And to the, to the credit of all the women that got bigger jobs and higher paying jobs, I'm going to go after the value I deserve and how, like how liberating and encouraging and motivating is that, that is so cool.
1: Yeah, I, I have goosebumps, actually. <laughs> um, one of the things that I think is really interesting, too, is getting that transparency down, um, because there's that point where people don't want to say how much they make. You know, I always thought it was really funny where, um, you know, people use their resume to get a job, but they won't show their resume to other people But they know. I'm like, what? <laughs>
0: Or, or they'll caveat it like, ah, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's really good. I know, like, what do you think? Here it is. And they make the face and the sound. And it's like, yeah, you're sending this all over the place. This is like this is your your press book, if your press kit, if you will. Like, and yeah, we just gosh, we just get in our own head so often. I for me, you know, it sort of all comes down to the voice that, you know, the voice that's in your head, the stories that you tell yourself, your self-narrative, if we can shift that, if we can make that healthier, then I have all the optimism in the world that we can solve tomorrow's problems and uh, probably a handful of today's problems as well.
1: I think that that's that's a really big thing is like um, the way I look at it. So our wins, it has like an acronym. So that's uh, we're building next generation wealth. Um, we are um, building with intention and we're uh, taking action on negotiating and networking, right? So the WINS actually has an acronym, right? And so one of the things that I think is really interesting is so on that wealth bit, right? If you're making $50,000 a year, right? You like your discretionary income and the kind of problems that you can solve are really quite small, you know, like I, like, but if you make more money, you have the ability to solve much bigger problems. And so that was one of the things that, um, when we were doing, we did this exercise this weekend, um, about like 20 years from now, what is that 20 year now person going to be experiencing? And one of the women was like, um, said that she wanted to pay college tuition for a hundred people.
0: Oh, that's sweet.
1: Can you imagine? That's sweet. Right? And another woman that's in the group, her husband is uh, from Mexico, and she wants to go back to Mexico and teach those people how to be more um, intellectual-driven instead of light labor-driven and how to build their own wealth. Right? And so that ripple effect that we are talking about, about, um, you know, Making money, it's not just for the sake of making money and the badge of being an American or, you know, buying all the stuff. Like, no, it's not about the stuff. It's about what you can do with the money and how the impact that you can make when you make money and also ease your burden and not have to worry about things. You know, if you get some sort of disruption or whatever, you're okay. Um, And I've seen that where, you know, I recently had a friend of mine, she had cancer And she was able to, you know, pay for all of her treatment, get some home health care, you know, all of that kind of stuff, whatever needed to be paid out of pocket, not an issue. Can you imagine? Like, not an issue. And so it's like, well, you you know, the story needs to change because like, how are you actually going to get yourself some ease and some comfort, you know, or, you know, say for instance, like I had a friend of mine last year drop dead of a heart attack at 42. Mm -hmm. Right? If that's your spouse, what kind of disruption is that huge, in your life? Huge. Right? Huge. It's not only it's the mourning of the person, but it's like, that's like the lion's share of your income too. Right? So they talk about, and women outlive men. And so there's more women living in poverty and retirement because, you know, we take time off for, for having childcare. We underpay, you know, have that underpaying aspect of things. Right. So it's just, it's like huge. So even to set the tone that if you have, if you're, have more money, how can you, you know, do better things, invest more, that kind of thing. Right. And start thinking about, um, building up that, that muscle from a financial standpoint. And then also like, this is a great example of how I'm using my network to, okay, I'm seeing down the road that, uh. We need to talk about money more. So, how can I bring a financial advisor in to come in and talk about how do you, how do you build wealth? How do you make smart smart moves, smart money moves, right? And then influence, right? We're talking about influence. So then I bring in like you you can't unless you're seen, you don't get tapped for like great opportunities, right? You actually have to be visible. And so, how do you get past that um, part where? You know, like with my TEDx talk, oh, my God, like that came out of the blue. I I never applied. They asked me to come speak two weeks after my mom died. They said, hey, listen, we have this great opportunity for you. Will you come speak in front of 3000 people and give a speech? And you've never even given us public talk before. And I'm like, oh.
0: why not? Let's do it.
1: Yeah. And so like even just the mental shift that it takes to be able to say yes to an opportunity like that, and then also get yourself in fighting shape in order to be able to, to, to knock it out of the park when you get that opportunity. That is where like flexing that network and being curious about like, hey, I see you're a TEDx speaker. What advice do you have? Or I see you given this talk. What advice do you have? I'm having trouble with my speech here. Can you review it? Like That was that that whole thing about like um, being more transparent and tipping your playbook and finding resources and people who can actually like add value to you. Um, They love to be able to share their expertise, right? And so, you know, I think that that's that's really important to be able to like show your work. This is a really big premise of mine. And so like, as an example, I want to share this piece. Um, I have a friend of mine that she was negotiating a new job and um, we had talked at length about what that would look like. You know, what's the salary? What's the potential? How how are you adding value? What's the conversation going on on their side? What can you say to counteract that? And um, when the contract came, like she had negotiated a price verbally. And when the contract came, it was off by $25,000. Oh, wow. Like they had offered her a hundred thousand dollars more than what she was, she was getting. She thought it was 125. So we're talking like the salary was supposed to be $300,000 and it came out at like 275 with the bonus and all this. And I, and I was like, that's $25,000. Like, you know, five years ago, that would have been a lot of money to you. So let's just like, not take that out of context. That's still a lot of money.
0: Yeah. If if you found 25 K on the ground, you're picking it up. Yeah.
1: Right. Like, you know, and, and so she was like, well, I don't know, what should I do? Maybe I heard him wrong. Maybe, you know, I mean, she's literally like Mm. talking herself out of this. Right. And I was just like, that is a lot of money. And you having $25,000 now, even if you invest that over the next 20 years, that is a huge sum of money and you are not going to leave that on that table without even having a conversation about what's going on here. She's like, yeah, you know, I started feeling a little icky, you know, about this whole situation and maybe I wouldn't actually like working there. I mean, this whole spiral started happening, right? And I was like, it's just a conversation.
0: Yeah, it's just a conversation. That's all it is. Yeah, we we make so much stuff up. I call it MSUing. We, cr- we create all these like wonderful stories. Most of them aren't true. It keeps us from actually leaning in, doing our work, showing our work, asking for our value. And again, it goes back to the conversation you're telling yourself, like it all comes down to that. You got to have awareness on that in order for it to shift. But yeah, it's if we can minimize the stories we tell ourselves and then the intensity of them, the duration of them, that puts us in a position to do better work, to make more of an impact. Like, again, to your point, Teresa, it's not a, you know, for some people it is about the money. That's how we keep score and that status. But for me, our money is, is a story. And it's a story about what we want to do with our money, the type of impact we want to make. After collecting a whole bunch of merit badges, eh, for, for many people, like it's old, right? And That was me before my accident. But to your point, your friend who had cancer, like for us, we were able to withstand all my medical bills from my accident recovery because we had enough wealth built into our family. If we didn't, our lives would have changed tremendously. Like I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now.
1: I mean, can you imagine like an accident like that? You could lose your house. You could lose, like you could could lose everything.
0: Bankrupt. It was a bankrupt city. Like the bills that we had were outrageous. And, you know, we, we had insurance, you know, but insurance doesn't cover everything. So even the stuff that the insurance company didn't cover that bill, those bills were significant and it wasn't a one-time thing. I've had 20 years of bills. So that ripple, that's one of those ripples that keeps on rippling, but Without without that wealth, being smart about our money, we, gosh, our whole our whole lives would be different. I, it would it would have forced my hand on some other decisions, and so then we had some freedom, and then ultimately freedom to stay in it, not get burdened by that, and then enough enough money in the bank too to make the the shift from leaving corporate and a nice existence as a corporate executive and trading that all for like day one, no paycheck, no healthcare, no nothing to start an entrepreneurial journey.
1: Yeah. And I I think you told me you guys had paid off your house like a long time ago, right?
0: We paid our, yeah, we wanted to be, we wanted to have a debt-free existence. So a big thing for me was to pay off the house. So when we got to 2008, as you referenced earlier, we didn't have anything to worry about. We were able to like weather that storm. My industry wasn't necessarily impacted like a lot of other industries, but we we're everyone was impacted back then as everyone's impacted right now. But a big thing for me is I just didn't want, I, I don't want to owe anybody any money. And so then we we live within our means. Like we, we use credit cards, but we pay them off at the end of every month. So we're not paying extra for the stuff that we're we're buying and purchasing but we're gonna be like really aggressive savers as a way to have more impact so for our kids but for everyone else as far as charity and impact and just doing different things with my business as far as like sponsorship and donations and you know making things happen like just just being here right like everyone that comes on we we make a donation to your favorite charity right so I don't th- I don't think there' are like many podcasts out there or like leadership academies doing that. But for me, that's an important thing. For others, something else is really important. That's really cool. And I think so wealth creation and the work that you're doing is 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 wonderful. So that actually leads me to one question I wanted to ask you because I geek out about resilience. You referenced 2008 as we've already talked about this year or last year and also this year is going to be a year that we're going to have to tap into resilience. So how would you finish this, this sentence? Resilience all comes down to what?
1: I know I should have an answer for this. For me, I think that the resilience to me is, I, you know, I had a client one time who hired me and um, to help do PR for his book. Um, his publicist had, the publisher hadn't been doing enough publicist work. And his, his phrase to me was, I'm not going down like that.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: And that, like, I always think about that, like a cat going into the bathtub. I'm not going down like that, man. Like, <laughs> and, and that I think was a driving force for me this year. I, I'm not going down like that. Like other people, like, you know, I'm so sorry. Right. But how can I shift my mindset? And how can I make amazing things happen in spite of the narrative about what's going on or in spite of the challenges? I think that at the end of the day, we all deal with constraints one way or another. Um, We just got a whole new set of constraints. That's all, you know, and I I don't I don't see that as any hugely different. And so it was funny because I also like to think about um, how do you equip yourself with even better resources, Mm, right? Like, okay, I think about it like this. This is as good as I could make it all happen, right? But there's always somebody who's kind of like on the periphery who's like, hey, kid, did you know that if you just like tweak this one little thing, it'll change everything? And so I got really intentional about asking everybody, Hey, you know what? Like, what do you think? Like, what should I do about this? What, like, what is the thing? And I'll, I'll never forget, Um, we have a mutual friend, Kristen.
0: Yes. Our favorite geek.
1: Yeah. And um, she is, she's a multimillionaire. And um, I asked her one day, I said, listen, you know, it really annoys me that you don't talk about how you made your money more. Because there's a teachable moment there. Right. Like how, how do we remove the stigma of money and actually show like the work boots of actually making that stuff happen? Um, and she's really good about talking about that one-on-one and her response to me was most people don't want to know. And I was like, well, I want to know. Fine. Ask me anything you want. So we sat down and two hours later, she literally like walked me through every single promotion every single thing she negotiated every stock option like everything every house that she bought like how much she made on it what what the next play was when she hired a financial advisor the tax person like all of it she like all of it and it was the most profound generous thing that anybody has ever done for me at the end of our call I started crying she was like what's up with this and I'm like one I'm super grateful Like, this is a conversation that we do not have. Um, And you asked, answered every question that I wanted to know. And two, I'm really upset that I'm the only person who got a chance to hear this.
0: Mm, Beautiful.
1: Like, it still, like, really moves me. And she said, well, if you think anybody else would want to hear this, set it up. I'll tell them. And so I put together a fireside chat with my bold ambition group and invited some other people. I think maybe you were there.
0: One way for me to get to know her even better, because I, up until that point, I, you know, I didn't have a strong connection with her.
1: Yeah. And she, she was even more transparent with this PowerPoint deck that she, no, took she, together. she
0: laid it all out. There's <laughs> no doubt about it. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> it's
1: just like, Wow. okay then (laughs) but it was beautiful and I'll tell you why is because everybody that was on that call suddenly was like well how much is my net worth like how much stock did I get what what how was that a good money move when I bought my house should I buy another house there is a woman in my group she's an amazing saver she's super frugal and she just threw that through that conversation, she realized she missed the entire bull market run of the stock market for the last 10 years. And she could have been retired like, uh, like many years ago, but she missed the whole opportunity. And what was amazing about seeing somebody else showing their work, it like lit a fire under her so big that now she's actually pursuing other ways to generate wealth and like how like she's doing like private lending and you know I was like wait who does that like i don't know anybody that does that she does that so and so it just it cracked the conversation wide open and i was like okay i'm not earning enough how do i earn more how do i save more when i go in the door how do i get more money how, like unbelievable And, you know, like what she wants to do with that money is like, it's profound, you know, like she struggled to get scholarships to go to college and ended up somehow graduating from college with no debt. And now she wants to set up a college fund for a hundred other people.
0: Again, that is, it's, it's amazing. Considering how many students come out of college burdened by their debt and changes influences the choices that they're going to see. So what a, what a, like, what a gift. And, you know.
1: Yeah. And I would say though, too, like one of the things about that. um, So as, as a connector, I'm also, one of the things that I like to do is I'm meeting all these people. I take the best of the stories and I turn around and tell somebody else. Right. So that there's a, the teachable moment doesn't, it passes through me. I'm the conduit to be able to share the good stuff. Right, like here's what I learned. Oh my God, can you believe this? Like everybody in my orbit, they get all the good stuff, right? And uh, like I learned this. Here's here's the next step. Or I see you're doing this. How about this? Well, so one of the things that when you mentioned that college debt, I think is really interesting. I met this woman. I gave a talk on negotiation for Lean In Seattle, which is the fastest growing Lean In group in the world, and it's also the biggest one in the world. And I did a breakout session on negotiation. And there was this woman there that she was just bright and smart and made herself known. So talk about visibility, make herself known. And so after the talk, she's like, I'd really like to talk to you more. She came to me and I said, okay, great. Let's go have drinks. I'm going to grab a friend of mine and we'll all go have drinks. And so we did. And and as we're sitting at this place and I'm talking to her, I'm like, well, what's your story? And, um, you know, she, uh, her dad helped her be an entrepreneur. She started her first business when she was like nine or something like that, selling gumballs or you know something like that like point a point operator job right um anyway she's like I'm on track to save a hundred to have a hundred thousand dollar net worth by the time I'm 25. What who does that I'm like tell me everything like and PS how old are you? She's like I'm 24 <laughs> well where are you on track for that? And she's like, "Well, I may not hit it by the time I'm twenty, like by the time of my 25th birthday, but I'm on track for that within the time that I'm 25." Mike, you need to rebrand one. Um, what she did, her website is your her, her her first 100k. Anyway, she hit that number, and then she did a press release on herself.
0: That's and so it, cool.
1: It hit Market Watch, CNBC. Like it just exploded. And then she created like this whole um training behind that about how to save money and all this kind of stuff. She launched her business in January of last year, 2020, 2020 in January. And um, she made $600,000 last year.
0: Good for her. That's awesome. 26. Not bad.
1: Right? And so it's like, wait a minute. So now that I've seen her do this, Right. I told everybody, I'm like, oh my God, this woman is amazing. But now I'm like, okay, the challenge is how do you graduate from college? Not just debt free. Can you graduate from college with $100,000? Could you? It's, could you? You know, and so since then, one of the contacts that I made this summer, she is, uh, she wrote a book. And um, my friend Mary is the head of global internships for Microsoft. Okay. they pay $35,000 for a summer internship. I'm like, hmm, you work for them for four four years.
0: <laughs> like, Not so like, that at all. You
1: actually could graduate. That beats
0: my internship.
1: <laughs> right? I mean, but like, how how can you do it differently? Like, like, it doesn't have to be hard.
0: I think that's the big question for this year for so many people. Having lived through what we lived through, And I know there's still some people that want to just go back to normal, but like normal and Elvis and the toothpaste, they're left the building out of the tube, however you want to phrase it. It's flipping into 2021. I was just speaking with a client before we sat down to chat here. And she's like, I just hope we don't go back to how it used to be. Now, she hasn't necessarily figured out what the the new normal quote unquote is, but there is that intention to, to create it. And I think that's, That's a big question, I think, for all of us. As We're still going through the tunnel. We're still in a little bit of this trauma or a lot of the trauma, depending on where you live. But it's an opportunity to, to make subtle shifts, and in some cases, maybe bigger ones, to see what is possible. We already know that work, as we know it, has changed forever. And because we spend so much time at work, that means life, as we know it, has changed forever. Now we get to create it. Now, those... There are a bunch of people that won't take that invitation seriously and they'll be, well, we will be like the tail wagging the dog because other people will create their new reality, their new normal. But we all have an opportunity as we begin the year to be intentional, much like you did with your mastermind, be intentional with what type of life we want to create to be the architects of this one wild and precious life that we all have. So I'll get you out on this one. So, cause this is all about connection. So I got to ask you, if people want to connect with you, how do they do
1: it? Uh, the best way is by LinkedIn, but I don't respond to LinkedIn requests that don't have a message attached to them. So um, let me know that you heard it, heard Michael and I together, and I'd be happy to connect. I think that that would be a really amazing um, to hear, to to meet some of your people. I'm, I'm so curious to hear some of the people that you have in your orbit. Um, but yeah so make sure you sure, sure you leave a little love note there when you do send an invitation um I would love to to say hello but Michael I love that you said that about what the next like new normal and all that kind of stuff what if we don't even want to go back to normal like how good could it be
0: it could be really good what i, is I, the I I'm the
1: most amazing thing ever
0: I am hopeful and optimistic even though we are in one sticky situation. There's chaos. We're in the mud. As I, you know, people have heard me say on this show and on the leadership Academy, no mud, no Lotus. Like you got to get through. Sometimes you just got to get through the mud and the muck and the dark and the dank and all that to, to appreciate the light, to have the light Lotus bloom. I, I think this is a moment that's happening for us or through us, not to us that we can create something amazing out of this moment. but. You know, we all have to have the intention that we want to put in the work. We have to put in the emotional labor, a little bit of the sweat, the curiosity to look at things maybe a different way, an appreciation of our wrinkles and our scars and our blemishes and everything else and start getting to work on it. So uh, thank you so much for doing this. This has been great. This has been, as I mentioned upfront, like so, I was so eager to have the conversation today and this did not disappoint so many wonderful stories. And I just love that you decided to sit down with us and share your wisdom about connection.
1: I love that. Um, Can I add one more thing?
0: Yeah, sure thing. Go for it.
1: So that part about the lotus and the mud, I love that. Um, One of the things that I am really reckoning with myself is um, don't get distracted by other people's mud.
0: Yeah, (laughs) amen to that. (laughs) Like,
1: mm, That's not my mud. Like, yeah, that you're noisy and you're you're impacting me, and it's making me think horrible things, and like life is coming to an end or whatever. But like, that's not even my story. Yeah, you're so deeply impressionable. So then that's that's the other thing where I'm really trying to bring the good stuff back to people. Like, hey, wait a minute, it doesn't have to be like that. Like, here's a here's a great success story that happened. You know, like my friend, he got a new job. He got a hundred thousand dollar bonus in the middle of COVID, and has never met his uh, coworkers in person.
0: That's so cool. And those, those, those stories—they're everywhere—are out there. It's not—it's not like a one-off. I, you know, to to that point, like you know, be careful of the mud that you hang out with. And for me, and like my vernacular, it's like choose your peloton wisely. Like ride with the people who bring out the best in you, and. This past year was a perfect opportunity to assess that. If you didn't, this year is a perfect opportunity to assess that. Call the herd. (laughs) We ain't doing this by ourselves. No. We need people
1: people that are inspiring you. Like you can actually bring them into your orbit and be very very deliberate about that and if they're not adding like to your fire and they don't leave you feeling inspired or offer good wisdom or whatever like okay this this journey has come to an end next yeah. like curate you're right, your peloton because not everybody wants to like in your vernacular you know not everybody can keep the pace right yeah. and some are like, you know what? I really like that stop that we had like 30 miles back. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to hang out there for the day. And I'm like, nope, I'm riding this race all the way
0: yeah. Some (laughs) people can't keep up and some people don't want to ride where you want to ride. So that, you know what? No judgment. Anyone don't have to go there. They do, they do them. You do you.
1: Sometimes they're like, oh man, I should, let me, let me see if I can like throw the accelerator on the gas. I want to ride with them after.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Trace, thank you so much again for sitting down with us and sharing your wisdom and people connect with her. But make sure, make sure you write a note. So, <laughs> you know, good to see you.
1: Thanks, Michael. It was great.
0: Bye bye. Hey, there's Michael. So, what did you think? Isn't Trace wonderful? Now, she's no longer a stranger to you, but that should not stop you from reaching out to her on any social platform. I'll include her TEDx talk in the show notes, as well as her LinkedIn profile, along with Facebook and even Twitter. That's where we met. That was the start of our relationship that has now blossomed into something special. So thank you for listening to this week's Kintsugi Podcast and our conversation with Teresa on the importance of connecting with strangers trying to make the world just a little bit smaller. Because as we know, we can't do this alone, if, especially if you want a great career and a great life. The type of life and career that begins from the inside out. Now, before I let you go for this week, there's one thing I want to share with you that I just found that's so cool. It's a new app. So for all my podcast fans out there, it's called Podopolo, P-O-D-O-P-O and the kintsuki podcast is one of the very first podcasts on their beta and they're about to launch their full-blown app the new app version 2.0 this time well in in a few months from now i think around march or april so i want to encourage you to download it now and start connecting with the kintsuki podcast and all of our conversations about resilience There. There's some really cool features. I'm going to let you play with it. But again, it's called Podopolo, P O D O P O L O. I'll put that link also in the show notes. So I hope you'll download it. It's free and we can connect there as a different way of connecting and a different way for you to access some really cool podcasts and change the way you listen to them. So, with that, again, thank you for listening to this week's conversation about resilience. We'll be back next week with another conversation about resilience on the Kintsugi Podcast. In the meantime, I hope you'll hit the subscribe button, write a review, or share this with the members of your Peloton. And as always, don't forget to pause, breathe, and reflect. And of course, have fun storming the castle. We'll talk to you next week.